Thank you. If you've got a Bible, you turn with me to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. As I said at the start, it's a new year, it's a time of new beginnings, it's a time of fresh starts, and it's also time for a new sermon series. And every January, I start with a new series in an Old Testament book. So when I came to Carrick seven years ago, uh, my first series was at the start of Genesis, and we worked through that over a number of years, and so we had the creation of the world, we had the fall, and then over a number of years, we followed the promises that God given to a special family, starting with Abraham, and then we followed it through, through Isaac and Jacob, then with the story of Joseph, with God's people in bondage, and then we started a new series into the book of Exodus, and those great stories of salvation, of deliverance, as God took his people out of slavery, heading towards the promised land. But we left them in the book of Exodus, and the people hadn't reached the promised land, they were still wandering. They were wandering the desert for 40 years, and the reason they were doing that was because of their disobedience. What we want to do here this morning is to continue the story as we start this new series, and we're going to move into the book of Joshua. It continues the story, and it brings them from the wilderness into the promised land. The book of Joshua is a book of new beginnings. The book of Joshua is a book of fresh starts. Fresh start for God's people. The past hasn't been overly spectacular. The last 40 years have been wasted spiritually. But now it's time to move forward. Now it's time to move forward spiritually, to cross the Jordan River and to move into Canaan, the promised land. This book that we're going to read, we're going to look at it, we're going to work our way through Joshua over the next 10 weeks, is a book of real history. It records real people and real events. But it's also a book that has lots and lots of spiritual lessons, spiritual lessons that are for people like us today, for Christian living in 2020. Now, some people see Canaan, the promised land, as a picture of heaven. This is a theme that appears in a lot of old hymns. Some old hymns of this, you know, moving into Canaan as a picture of going to heaven. It's a place of eternal rest and blessing. Canaan is not heaven. Because as we work our way through this book, this book records battles. It records struggles. Yes, it records victories, but it also records defeats as well. This is a book that records failures, but praise God, it also records spectacular spiritual blessings. Canaan is not heaven. In fact, what it represents instead is the Christian life. The Christian life that we experience if we are believers in Jesus Christ. Because you know what the Christian life is full of? It's full of conflict and challenges. Every day as you step out into 2020, as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to face spiritual challenges. You're going to face spiritual battles. But Canaan is also a place of spiritual victories and spiritual blessings. And that's what we want in 2020. As a church, as we face struggles and challenges and battles, as we move through our spiritual lives, we want them to be marked by spiritual victories and spiritual blessings. Sadly, too many Christians are stuck in the wilderness. Too many Christians are stuck in a spiritual wilderness. Their spiritual lives are wandering aimlessly. 
And in their spiritual lives, they're not going forward. They're just going round in circles like the children of Israel did for 40 wasted years. I wonder, does that describe your spiritual life here this morning? If you look back over the past year, where's your spiritual life going? Has it moved forward? Has it progressed? Has it been a series of spiritual victories and blessings? Maybe small things, but significant things in your life. Where are you spiritually? Have you just gone round in circles? You're in a spiritual wilderness. You're in a spiritually barren place. I'm not asking where you were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Where are you now in your spiritual life? It's not what God wants for his children. What does God want for us? He wants us to move forward. He wants us to move forward into Canaan to enjoy all the spiritual blessings that await there for his children. All those spiritual victories, all those spiritual blessings that he has already won for us, that he has already sealed for us. And so this book is going to have powerful spiritual lessons for us as we move forward spiritually in 2020. So let's listen to God's word. Let's listen as we read from Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua, Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and you will give and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over arm before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, 
All that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your word, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Amen. It's a very blunt beginning to the book of Joshua. It's echoes here of Christmas Carol. Some of you are very familiar with Christmas Carol. You might have read that Charles Dickens book. It starts off in a very blunt way. Marley was dead to begin with. It's that classic opening line. This book here starts in a very blunt, similar way. Moses, my servant, is dead. The blunt start. And even though Moses is dead, there isn't a time of mourning here. There is time to move on with God's people because it's time for God's people to continue to press forward and to move into the promised land, to move into the promised land that God had promised to their forefather Abraham over 400 years before. And what really happens here at the start of Joshua 1 is the baton is passed on. It is taken from Moses who has died and it's passed on to Joshua. We've come across Joshua before. We've come across Joshua in the book of Exodus. Forty years ago, Moses sent him as a spy into the same land, the promised land, the land of Canaan. You might be familiar with the old children's chorus. Twelve men went out to spy, or went to spy out Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. Well, only two were good. In other words, only two went into the promised land when the spies were sent out and looked and saw what God could do. The 10 other spies, they looked at the size of the opposition. They looked at the strength. They looked at it and they went, they're too mighty. They are too great. This is impossible. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb went in. They saw the greatness of the land. They saw the abundance of the land. And they saw an even greater God. And they came back with this report that we are able to do this. We are able to take the land. But the people rebelled against God. The people doubted. They did not listen to Joshua and Caleb. And they thought this is too much. And because of their rebellion, God made them wander in the desert for 40 years. And God said to them that none of you, none of you because your unbelief will ever get to Canaan. You will never get to the promised land. You will all die out. There are only two who will make it. And those two were Joshua and Caleb. And so Joshua is a fitting person to be the leader. There's a new generation who have grown up, and it's this new generation who will come into the, into the promised land. Joshua's suitable for the task. He's got a proven spiritual character. We saw that in the past. And he's given a very clear instruction in verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. This is a daunting task. It's given a daunting task. It would have been daunting for anyone. Firstly, he has to replace Moses, that great leader who has led the people for 40 years. And secondly, he's got to take them over the Jordan River into the land of Canaan. And it's not an empty land. It's a land full of people who are already occupying the towns and villages, enemies, enemies who've built walled cities, enemies who have great armies who are fit for battle. And that's a daunting task. For the last 40 years, the children of Israel have been walking in circles round in the wilderness. They haven't been fighting battles. They are not a trained army. They don't have experience of battle. And they look at what lies ahead of them. 
They look at the difficulties and the battles and the challenges it's going to be before they can settle it in the land. And here's the temptation that would probably come through anybody's mind if they're human. This is too difficult. You know what would make life easier? Just stay where we are. Just stay this side of the River Jordan because this is a daunting task. And God probably knows what will naturally go through Joshua's head from a human perspective. And so what he does at this point is he gives him a series of promises, a series of promises to encourage him for the task that lie ahead. Let's read verse 3 again. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Did you see the tense there? Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you past tense. The land that you're about to step onto, it's already yours. I have already given it to you. All you need to do now is step out in faith. All you need to do is to go forward and to claim what I have already given to you. There's a very simple truth in that. A very simple but a very profound truth, not just for Joshua, but a very simple profound truth for every single one of us here this morning. See, the Bible's full of promises. This isn't the only book in the Bible you find God giving promises to his people. The Bible's full, right from start to finish, where God gives promises to his people. And what do we see time and time again as we work our way through Scripture? God always keeps his promises. God always delivers. God never, ever fails. What God promises is as good as done. And that's a profound truth for us to grasp at the start of this year. As we work our way through God's word, we will see promises time and time again. What God promises is as good as done. And we need to step out in faith and to see that promise and to claim that promise in action. What else does God promise to Joshua? He promises from victory. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No matter how big they are, no matter how strong, no matter how organized their armies are, nobody, Joshua, is going to be able to stand against you. It reminds me of those words in the New Testament, the book of Romans, given to believers, followers of God. If God be for us, who can stand against us? There's a truth of Scripture, again, very simple, yet very profound. God be for us, who can stand against us? And God also promises him something else important. He promises his presence with him. The end of verse 5, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Just as I was with Moses, God had promised exactly the same to Moses years before. Do you know that story at the start of Exodus? And Moses is out in the desert there's the burning bush and God speaks to him. God says, I want you to do something. I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And I'm going to let, get you to lead my people to the promised land. What did Moses do? He made all the excuses, all the human excuses that welled up. This task is too big. I am not the person for the job. I can't even speak properly. And what did God reassure Moses with? I will be with you. And over those 40 years of leadership, what did Moses experience time and time and time again? God keeps his promises. I will be with you. And right at the start of Joshua's ministry, God gives him the same reassurance he had given to Moses. I will not leave you or forsake you. I will be 
with you. Moses is gone. Moses is dead. But God hasn't gone. God is still there. His presence will be with him. His help, the same God gives him his assurance, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, many of us are familiar with these words here in Joshua. And the reason we're familiar, yes, we've read them in Joshua, but we read them in another place in Scripture. We read them in Hebrews chapter 13 as well. And there were these words, I will not leave you or forsake you, are repeated. It's a promise given not to one person, Joshua. It's actually a promise that's given to all believers, everyone who follows Jesus Christ. God says the same promise. I will not leave you nor forsake you. You're going to try and live for Jesus Christ in 2020. You're going to face challenges. You're going to face spiritual battles. And deep down inside, with all your human effort, you're going to feel weak and insignificant and fragile. And it's difficult to live as a follower of Jesus Christ in a hostile world. What's the promise that God gives to all of his children? It's this promise that we need to take the heart. We all know it in our minds, but we need to take it in the heart and we need to Believe it on a daily basis. I will not leave you nor forsake you. The God of the universe says to his children, I will be with you. And God follows up these promises that he gives to Joshua with a series of commands. Let's read verses 7 through to 9 again to remind us of what these commands are. Actually, we'll read it from verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So a series of commands here. The first command to Joshua is to be strong and courageous. And over those few verses, that command is repeated three times. This is what you need to do. You're going to lead my people. You need to be strong, and you need to be courageous. What you need to do, Joshua is to put faith in action. Not to whimper away, not to shy away, not to stay on this side of the Jordan. Put faith in action. Step out and courageously lead my people into the promised land. Lead my people into all the blessings that I have set before them. Now, Joshua here isn't commanded just to grit his teeth, to muster up some inner strength. Be a man, Joshua. Man up to this task. Find some human strength from somewhere for the task ahead of you. Well, that's not what God does. Yes, be courageous and be strong, but why, where do you find your courage from? And where do you find your strength from? You find it from the Lord. He is the almighty God whose presence is with you, who is your helper and who is your strength. And so even if you're the, the weakest person here this morning, from a human perspective, inside you feel weak and insignificant. Our strength isn't found in our human makeup, from our human personality. Our strength is found in the one we put our faith in, the almighty God. And so when we trust in him and we put our faith in him, we, be, we can be strong and courageous in Christ 
who strengthens us, who helps us, and whose presence goes with us as well. And so he's commanded to be strong and courageous. But the other thing he's commanded, and this is the important thing in here, he's commanded to be obedient. He talks to him about the book of the law. The book of the law is scripture. It's the first five books. Now, we've come to the sixth book of the Bible. So this book, Joshua, hadn't been written at this stage. So it's the books that come before it, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the books of the law, the books that Moses had written down, recorded, so God's people would know God's great plans of action, scripture inspired by God. And what he's told here, what he's commanded is to be obedient to God's word. Don't deviate from it, Joshua. Don't deviate from it in any way. In the Psalms, it tells us that God's word is a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our path. That's what God's word does to us. It's a spotlight that shows us the right direction to live as we walk our way through life. It's a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our path. And God's word shows us this is the way to live. This is the way that God wants us to live as we live here on earth. This is the way to live if we want to please God in our life. What's Joshua commanded to do? to read God's word, to read scripture, but don't deviate. Don't go off to the right and don't go off to the left. Don't go off in the bypath meadow here and there. That's not the way God wants. If you want to know the right path, you need to stick to God's word. God's word will show you the right path for following God. He's told to constantly focus on it. And so we get that phrase, meditate on it, day and night, not just a passing part of your day, a little token thought towards God's word. No, get it into your mind. First of all, you've got to read it, you've got to listen to it, get it into your mind, meditate upon it, tick it over in your head, consume it, think upon it day and night. Constantly let God's word be guiding you and leading you and directing you. And then verse eight goes on to say, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. It's interesting there. It doesn't say, so you may be careful to know all that is written in it. It says to do all that is written in it. The purpose of Bible study, the purpose of listening to a sermon like you're doing here this morning, I hope you're still listening to it, the purpose of studying God's word individually is not just that you would know it. Yes, you need to know it. That's a first step. But the ultimate aim of knowing God's word is so that we can do it, so that we can put it into practice, so that we can be obedient. So that's what I want you to do, Joshua. Get into your mind, day and night, be meditating upon it. So what? So you might be able to do it. So you might be able to live it out in practice. So you might live as a follower of Jesus Christ. And look what the outcome of this obedience is, the end of verse 8. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So as you move forward, Joshua, as you move forward as the spiritual leader of my people, you want to be prosperous, you want to have success, then meditate on my word and obey it and put it into practice. What have we got here? We've got another very simple lesson, another very simple but profound lesson for all of us. There's nothing revolutionary here. There's nothing that hasn't been repeated countless times from this platform and through the pulpits of this church down through the generations. But it is good to be reminded of basic truth. Basic truth for obedient Christian living. God's word needs to be constant in our lives. Daily, throughout the day, morning and evening, thinking about God's word, letting it direct us, letting it lead us as well. 
2020, new year, gives you a fresh start. Often people start a new year and they think about, well, my Bible reading habits maybe weren't what they should have been the last year. I'll, I'll start again. People start with fresh enthusiasm and sadly it often drifts away. We're not looking for a confessional here of what your, your devotional life is like. But let it, it be a challenge, not from me, but let God's word be a challenge. We want to move forward spiritually. We want to get out of the wilderness years. We need to focus on God's word. We need to meditate upon it day and night. Let it be a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our path. And when we see the path that it sheds in front of us, let us walk in that path. Let us walk in obedience. And let's walk in the spiritual blessings that come from a life that is obedient to God's word. There are many, many voices that are prying for our attention. As we live through life, there are lots of voices that are trying to guide us and lead us. People are speaking into us. There are family members who are saying unhelpful things. There are work colleagues who are talking about things. There's a media that's constantly bombarding us with, this is the way to live. So in your marriage and in your relationships, this is your attitude you should have. This is the way you should think. As a parent, this is how you should bring up your children. This should be your attitude in the workplace. When it comes to moral issues like sexuality and things like that, this is the way you should walk. This is the way you should think. And so we're bombarded by all these different voices. And most of them are rubbish. And most of them are nonsense. And most of these voices are trying to lead us in the wrong way. And so we need to meditate on God's word so we know what the truth is so that we can walk in it. Let God's word be a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our path as well. God commanded Joshua. He takes up the responsibility to be the leader. And then the rest of this chapter is him passing on instructions for the people, getting them ready, because in a few days' time, they're going to cross the river and enter into Canaan, the promised land. Forty years before, when Joshua had given his report, the people didn't listen. But thankfully, the people respond in a positive way. Let's read verses 16 and 17 again. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may, may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. The people were willing to move forward in obedience to Joshua, but more importantly, in obedience to the instructions that God has given them. As we move forward into this new year, I wonder where you are spiritually. It's a good time to ask yourself, to have a bit of a spiritual health check. Where are you spiritually? Here's the reality. Some of you sitting here this morning are still in Egypt. Egypt in the Bible is a picture of sin. Egypt is a picture of slavery and bondage. And the good news of the Bible is that God came to set people free. As he did in Egypt, he has come to do today. A sacrifice has been made. A blood sacrifice has been shed. And God miraculously saves people who put their trust in him. Who was one of those people who were saved in the past? Interesting, Joshua. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus that Joshua was the firstborn in his family. He would have been one of the ones saved that first night of the Passover when the blood was painted around the doorway. His life was saved through his family putting faith in God's word. He was a slave who was given freedom. Many today are still in Egypt. 
They're still in the bondage of their sin because they haven't obeyed God's word and how to find freedom. And we find freedom by looking to the one who sacrificed his life and his blood for us, Jesus Christ. Some of you are still in Egypt. Sin is still your master. And because of that, your life is marked by wrong choices and your life is marked by guilt and the seared conscience that comes with that. If that's you this morning, you don't know the joy of being set free. You don't know the joy that comes from being a free people, that the Lord is your salvation. Jesus Christ died. He rose again to set you free. And so if you're still in Egypt, if you realize I'm still in my sin, sin is my master, I know nothing of the joy of salvation that these people sing about and talk about, then experience it today. Come and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and experience the joy that comes from knowing Christ. Some of you are still in the wilderness though. Remember those 40 wasted years, result of disobedience and a lack of faith. Spiritually, you're just walking aimlessly. No purpose in your spiritual life. You've no purpose, you've no focus, you've no progress, and you've no joy. You're going through the motions. Yes, you're a believer, you've been set free, but you're not enjoying the the spiritual blessings and victories that God has planned for you. Where are you spiritually today? If that's you, if you're in a barren place spiritually, if you're in the wilderness, it's time to cross the Jordan. It's time to experience all the blessings that God has for his children. Now, the name Joshua means the Lord saves. Yahweh saves, the Lord saves. The Greek version of the name Joshua, which is a Hebrew name, the Greek version is Jesus. So Jesus is the same name. It's the same name in a different language. Jesus and Joshua, it's exactly the same name. The Lord saves. Joshua was a great leader of his people. We'll find that as we work through these chapters over the next few weeks. He was a great leader. We have a greater leader to follow. We have a greater Joshua. Jesus Christ is the captain of our salvation. He's the one we need to be following in 2020. And we don't have to wait until heaven to enjoy God's blessings. Ephesians 1 and 3 says, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. God has blessed us in Christ through faith in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Christ, through his death on the cross, through his resurrection, has already won a spiritual victory for his children. And we can experience spiritual blessings and the joy that comes from them now. Yes, the ultimate spiritual blessings will come when we're with Christ forever and ever and ever in heaven, but we don't need to wait now to experience spiritual blessings here in life. Christ has already won them from for us, and we experience them by faithfully following him. Now, that's not to say following Christ is a walk in the park. Jesus never said it would be, and the Bible doesn't teach that. The Christian life is often like the land of Canaan. It's a series of spiritual battles. Spiritual battles against real enemies who are more dangerous than what the children of Israel faced in the land of Canaan. We have daily struggles. First of all, we have daily struggles with our own flesh, our own old sinful nature that wants us to disobey God, that wants us to sin, that wants us to give in to temptation, that wants us to look at things we shouldn't look at, to think about things we shouldn't, to say things we shouldn't. We have this daily battle with our sinful nature. There's also the devil who the Bible describes as a roaring lion who wants to devour us. 
who wants to kill us in battle, who wants to rob us of our joy. And so with these daily spiritual battles to live the way God intended. And where do these battles take place? They take place in everyday lives. They take place in our marriages. There's a battle in our marriages to be faithful in our marriages and to be loving and to be caring. There's battles in our homes with our relationships with our family, whether that be with parents or with our siblings or with our children, to live in the right way. There's a battle in the workplace to live as a Christian or to go with the crowd and our attitudes. There's a battle in our neighborhoods to live as a witness and a shining light or just to live as everybody else lives. There's a battle in our mind that rages from what we're going to look at and we're going to think about. There's a battle in our heart. There's a battle sexually. There's battles on so many different fronts. And these battles are things that we face every day. But it is possible as a believer in 2020 to enjoy spiritual victories and to enjoy spiritual victories in all areas of our lives, to experience the blessings that come Three spiritual victories for living for Christ in an obedient way. And the Lord wants us to enjoy these blessings and victories now. These victories and blessings that Christ has already won for us and accomplished through his death on the cross. Jesus is the captain of our salvation and he wants us to follow him and he wants us to experience these spiritual blessings. Now, how can we experience this kind of victorious Christian living? Well, we need to learn the lessons that we see here in Joshua 1. And we need to remember the commands. What did he command Joshua? First thing he said was, be strong and courageous. You're going to win the battles for your marriage and in the home, and to be a witness in the workplace, and to be a witness in your neighborhood, and the battle for your mind, and the battle for your heart. You're going to win those battles. You need to be strong and courageous. Don't step up in your own strength because it's not good enough. You'll fail constantly. Find your strength in the Lord. Find your strength in the almighty God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so in the midst of that temptation, and you don't know if there's a way out, he's there with you. Be strong and be courageous. And then what was the other promise or command? To put God's word centrally in your life. Meditate upon it day and night. You might walk in it, not deviating off to the left or to the right. And so if you want to have spiritual victories, spiritual blessings in this year, let's make God's word central. Let's make it a light onto our feet, a lamp onto our feet and a light onto our path. Give it a priority and obey it with God's help. And as we step out as individuals and corporately as a church, what will we see? we will see daily spiritual victories as we overcome temptation, as we overcome the evil one, as we follow Christ and the joy that comes from following Christ. And we will see God work and we will see good move, maybe in ways that we could never imagine in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods as we try and reach out with the gospel. We will see incredible spiritual blessings and victories. So what do we need to do as a church in 2020? Be strong and courageous in the Lord. And let's be committed to God's word and walk in it. Let's pray together.